And you know, but I think your book really resonates. I love like the, the sexual nature of it too. It's super fucking funny, like this raw <laughs> sexual humor. Like, how did that come about? Because it's so horny. It's great. That's so crazy. So I guess I should tell you a little bit about how maybe the book came about. I mean, and yeah, this, this, the sexual side of it is a huge part of it. But so is a lot of whatever critiques of capitalism or whatever, or the commodification of culture. And there's also a huge side of the novel is about just the search for self and kind of like the, the, the a, a fear of not being able to understand who a, the first person narrator really is and his or her place in the cosmos even. But it started out, I mean, it's called, okay, so it actually, I was ingesting a lot of, Kathy Acker and other writers from the time there. She was not the only one that was doing this kind of stuff, but she was very out there and very kind of like trendy or whatever. And this is before she got really big, you know, but blood and guts in high school and some of those things really struck me. And what, what it struck, what it told me is that I can do that. Like I can just, at the time I was a poet primarily, you know, I hadn't been writing prose or fiction and it just blew my mind like, wow, in a way, fiction is more freeing than poetry, which sounds like um, a contradiction. But the way that she and other people were doing it, um, let me see it that way. I, I remember telling my friends, you can do anything in prose. You can do anything. And one of those many things was talk about sex, right? Because she was so free and open with it, you know, and um and that included a lot of things. Like there's a lot of horniness in Kathy Acker's work. It's just kind of like this longing for cock sometimes, you know, but then there's just so much criticism of the male patriarchy and just this family, um, you know, conventions. And so there's very mixed in, it's very subtle, you know, but anyway, um, that was a big part of the inspiration for that book. And then the other part is kind of her just free range, stealing of others from other sources right back then we call it what a commodity uh what's the um what's the term that we had um uh when you steal from another artist kind of ob ob uh, overtly um anyway you like she, you know she would take from the great masters right you know don quixote or whatever and just rewrite that shit but in my case it was more like stories that my friends were telling me <laughs> Like I just had a bunch of crazy friends and, you know, oh, Jack, this thing happened to me or I went down to the mall and I've got too high and I tried to get my somebody to buy my records. And then I saw the right to life booth there and then I started worrying about this and that. And I was just kind of so the narrator from this book starts to live his life through these other people. And that just found I just found it to be very freeing for some reason. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's. It's really interesting because this book, I feel like, is perfect for today because it, you know, a lot of people want to inhabit these avatars. They want to perform things that are, you know, 
exceptional or different than their current life. You know, they, 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 they want to kind of like, they want to do over in many ways because some mm -hmm. of it is a, a dissatisfaction with the world that surrounds them outside of these, you know, fictive, like linguistic spaces. And then some of it mm -hmm. is just like a, a drive towards space, you know, that, that, that could be claimed somewhere, but it's, it's hard too, because at a certain point, like you want to formalize those things as well. And I think art and actually going out and doing stuff, you know, there, I feel like it's a whole system that feeds into it. I know William Blake was a huge influence on this book as well. And, you know, I love him. I love him too. He's, he's, he's so great. Yeah. Well, I wonder, you know, when you, well, by the way, the word I was looking for was appropriation. That was like right. a big thing. Back then, right? yeah. Like Cindy Sherman and people like that. But I mean, I wonder if you think, and I like to talk about Blake too, but this kind of attraction of maybe writers and artists now to live through other people or, you know, these, the attraction towards avatars, like you were in the way you described it. And you kind of see that now in this craze of auto fiction, right? Like it's kind of gotten very big, right? Um, I wonder if you, there's a connection there with, do you see a connection there? Like, is that part of that trend? I think it is. And, and I also think it feeds into uh, the public, the, the longing for a public collective space to sort of read these things and this need for scenes to congregate. And, mm -hmm. um, and so in a lot of ways, I definitely think that's been a big part of it. You know, I think, you know, auto fiction with people like Taolin and whatnot, Megan Boyle, like they, they sort of came out of like the the early Internet, you know, Internet blogs. And that a lot of them did. Yeah. So right. I think I think there is a, a fracture because, you know, there's always been these sort of mediations on what on a shaky narrative. And, uh, you know, you, you brought up Don Quixote. That's a really good example right there. I, I think of Gene Wolfe, like Book of the New Sun, or any of his books, you know, the science fiction writer. It's just, you know, the character can't even distinguish his left from his right foot. You know, he's <laughs> generally a, a completely morally ambiguous person who just gets his facts mm -hmm. all wrong and he contradicts himself constantly. Who is this now? Uh, Gene Wolfe. He was a okay. sci-fi writer who I, gotcha. I really like. Um, and so I think, you know, people at on one hand, it's again, I think it's a bit of it's a bit easy because it allows us to shirk our responsibility to consistency and truth. Right. And on another hand, I think it's also, you know, people see something liberating in it as well. That's for sure. And, you know, when I was meditating on all of this as I was preparing this book to be published for the first time after 35 years, like what the way you described it fits into kind of the roots, even though it's pre-Internet, the roots of auto fiction or whatever you want to call these kind of in the sense of like this unreliable narrator who's all over the place, like you said. And I started thinking about, well, what about you can go back even earlier to Nabokov or these other fiction writers who really played with first person a lot to where you at first do you identify does the does the narrator can you equate the narrator in any way with the author no not really but then the there's multiple narrators and they're kind of warring with each other and and these very sort of 
amoral or immoral ways. So it, it does cause this kind of friction in the mind of the reader as to what to believe and what to endorse as they read these you know, pieces of fiction. Um, so it's, I feel like there's a kind of a, uh, a river or like a source material, you know, like, like source stool streams feeding into these larger streams that kind of become things such as Acker's version of what then became autofiction. It's still kind of a problematic term, I think, but it's, there's a, there is a big attraction to that kind of freeing of the narrator. Yeah. Hmm. And one of the funny things I, I found about this book is there are all these allusions to the fear of Kathy Acker, but none of the <laughs> stories are actually about Kathy Acker. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. but it's also funny because it, it, it transcended and she actually read it and she's like, what do I have to do with this? And she wrote, he was like, but you're a really good fucking writer. Right. So hats off. I, that's to a you. really funny story because I, yeah, I had been reading her and then I wrote this piece, fear of Kathy Acker. And then I did like a, a radio show. I think I may have even sent her a tape or like cassette tape of me performing on KXLU, which is the college radio station. You might remember. Oh and, man. Yeah. My yes, high school yeah. band performed there on KXLU. Right. Yeah. So. so yeah. So I wrote, I sent all this shit to her and then she wrote back, how dare you use my name? <laughs> I hate you. You piece of shit. Oh, never mind. I like your writing a lot. <laughs> it's like the ultimate, like I still just really moving to me to have to the, you know, that she did that, you know? Yeah, that that's really sort of funny. Um, were you? But, did you have any sort of like? Were you trying to get her attention, or? I just felt like I, no, I wasn't. But I mean, I felt like the responsibility to to let her know I was doing it. Obviously, you know, and it's her name. <laughs> and you know, I won't. I won't deny there's a kind of a level, a level of very light mockery. You know, in the sense that she was so big then. I mean, not big. She was never, it was way before she got big, but she was like a trend, sort of like an underground trend. And so, you know, I had to, you know, employ her name. I had to, I just had, even though, like you're saying, it's not about her and it's only partly inspired by her, but in all fairness, you know, I, I've got to give credit where it's due. So yeah, I, I alerted her to that. Yeah, that's, that's really funny. I mean, you know, giving credit is something that, that seems really sort of difficult for people in a lot of ways, you know, because it's like, on one hand, you want to give credit, but it's like, you know, how, like how much of it, and I think about this too, is like, how much are we putting these names out there? And like, mm -hmm. you know, we're so uncertain because we don't really know these people that well. It's mm -hmm. so hard to tell, like, who can I vouch for? Like when I living where I live or just anywhere in my locality, it's like, well, I can vouch for my friends, you know, like I could put them on. And then it's like this whole other thing where it takes on this sprawling octopus, like fictive. Uh, and so your, your ability to sort of assess the agendas of others goes on this kind of like public reputation model, which, which yeah, it's, you know, what you were saying about there's kind of in the book is there's kind of a like the the idea of fear of Kathy Acker becomes like a motif in the book and becomes kind of a meta thing that's happening to where the narrator or some of the characters say like a character will come up to the narrator and say hey Jack can I be in fear of Kathy Acker 
So it's as if like the story is writing itself while the reader is, you know, reading it. And then I just want to draw people's attention to this insane afterward to the book written by Sabrina Tarasov, who is a, a tremendous art writer. And she really got deeply into these kind of layers of the, the, these layers of meta happening within the book. And she remarks on the fact that, um, uh, well, she says, peer inside the colophon of more fear of Kathy Acker, which is the original chapbook published in 1985 by Los Angeles Illuminati Press and find tiny teasers that intimate Skelly's desire to see his chapbook slip outside of its own bounds. This mind-boggling notes on par with a crummy wormhole, because she's, she's applying it to sort of astro astronomical terms, the reader may or may not even notice. It informs us on the first hand that more fear of Kathy Acker, because that was like the sequel to From Fear of Kathy Acker. This is getting layered, I know. But it informs us on the first hand that more fear of Kathy Acker is not the actual name of this work. And then as if establishing the, the whole a priori ego disintegration thing as central to the extended and or accumulated whole, that fear of Kathy Acker is not the actual name of the longer piece of which is it, it is a part. Taken at face value, this statement just conveys that parts of fear of Kathy Acker had and would appear an independent. Anyway, she's saying she's basically stipulating that there's like kind of a universe of known as fear of Kathy Acker that the narrator and the readers are inhabiting at various parts, and it could go on forever. In fact, I didn't really know how to end this book, you know, like it just <laughs> so it is kind of like this, uh, you know, uh, Jackson Pollock painting that has no really bounds to it.